0: All right, if you have your Bibles uh look at that. Answer to prayer. Wow. <laughs> That's powerful prayer. <laughs> I just pray that God would watch over you while you're on your way from Houston in the rain. So So uh He did it. Great. All right, uh if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms and we'll be in Psalms number eight tonight. It's a short psalm, so, and we're kind of early getting started, so we won't be here late for sure, unless we get going here. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're in Psalm number eight, and when you look at the psalms, it, it's, it's you know I used to when I read the psalms just kind of run over these little introductions, but a lot of times in the little introduction to the psalm, you get a clue about what's going on during that time that the psalm was written and and there's no this is not an exception here it, it says in the introduction uh and i you got a title there the glory of the lord in creation but i think it's a lot more than that in this psalm but but uh that little title there comes with the psalm at least it was it was uh if you go back several hundred years you you would see that little introduction there and you can see that the psalm was written to the chief musician, and and it's it's played on the instrument of Gath. Now, that tells us something there, that that's, Gath is where? That's in the land of the Philistines. And so, uh, it's an instrument not normally used by Israelites. And so, David probably learned this song, on that instrument, and he probably learned that, or at least... You can speculate that he learned that while he was in the land of the Philistines. And while we, what was he doing in the land of the Philistines? He was running from Saul, from Saul's persecution. Saul wanted to kill him. And uh, we see that this is a psalm of David. And so, so uh, and it's a song of praise. It's a song of praise to God. So right away, we learn a lesson right here. I mean, here is David, and he's running for his life. Uh, he's been anointed the king of Israel. At least he thought that. I, I think he's doubting that now. But he's still able to stop in the midst of all his trouble and praise the Lord. And I, I tell you what, there's a great lesson there. No matter where you're at, who's persecuting you, no matter what situation you're in, just take time to praise the Lord and you'll silence your enemies. That's, that's what we're going to see David do here in this little psalm. Uh, he begins the psalm and he says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who, you who have set your glory above the heavens. So the psalm begins, O Lord, our Lord, Jehovah Adonai. That's, that's literal in the Hebrew what uh, David is saying here. Jehovah our Adonai. And what's Jehovah mean? It means the great I am. The Lord said, My name is I am who I am, Jehovah or Yahweh, either way you translate it or transliterate it. Uh, uh, Jehovah. But he doesn't say just say Jehovah here. He says Jehovah our Adonai. And what does Adonai mean? It means Lord or Master. Uh, someone has defined it as the one who we recognize as the ultimate authority in our life. So here is David, and he's he's in the land of the Philistines. At least you can speculate that he was in the land of the Philistines. And he's being persecuted by, by Saul, and he's really kind of under the authority of the Philistines at this point. But he sees his ultimate authority as Adonai, as Jehovah God, his master. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that's something we all we need to reach a point in our Christian life where we truly do see the Lord as our master, as our ultimate authority. And I, th- I think most of us, if I were to ask you, do you see the Lord as your ultimate authority, you would all say yes. But uh, uh, does the shoe fit, really? Does it fit your life? I mean, is the Lord really your master? You know how you can tell if the Lord is truly your master? Uh, as to, you can tell by how you make your decisions. I mean, is God involved in all of your decisions? I mean, if he's the ultimate authority over your life, then he's de- involved in every decision that you make every single day. Uh, you you want the Lord's will in whatever decision you make. Now, I mean, not whether to wear brown shoes or black shoes. I'm not talking about that. But, but any decision that, that involves... Uh, your character, any decision that involves uh, your service to the Lord, any decision that involves your career, all of those should be filtered through the Lord and and uh, if he's really our ultimate authority. So you can test that in your own life. I mean, what, what you did today, did you do it uh, under the authority of God? Did you do it cognizant of the fact that God is Adonai your master the ultimate authority or you just go out and do what you want to do all day and so so you know I think a lot of Christians haven't reached that point a lot of us haven't reached that point where we truly see Jehovah we recognize the Lord as the Lord of creation Jehovah God the great I am but practically have we reached that place where we really see him as the ultimate authority in our life and if and if we have then it kind of changes uh, the way it definitely changes the way we do things and then he says he says "O oh lord oh lord how majestic is your name in all the earth uh, uh, how excellent is your name in all the earth you who have set your glory above the heavens now his name is above all the earth his name is above all names But really, what David is saying here is prophetic because most of the people on this earth don't recognize the name of the Lord as a majestic name. If anything, the name of the Lord is uh, drugged through the mud. Uh, He's blasphemed uh, by most people in this world. And so uh, uh, very few people honor the name of the Lord. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day where where uh, his name will be excellent in all the earth because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that his name is the name above all names. But uh, as believers, we know that now. Here was David; he was in the land of the, maybe in the land of the Philistines and uh, about as far away from the from the people of God as you could get, and uh, uh, yet he recognized the fact that the name of the Lord one day will be great. It will be great in all the earth. So uh, then he says, uh, "You have set your glory above the heavens." That's the physical reality. Even though the name of the Lord is blasphemed throughout the earth, even though in the land of the Philistines it, it was they, it was full of. Uh, idols and and, uh, nobody honored the name of the Lord in the land of the Philistines the Lord has set his glory above the earth and how much glory does he have well his glory fills all of his creation not only does it fill the heaven it fills all of creation you remember when Isaiah had his vision of the Lord seated high upon his throne he saw that the Lord's glory filled the whole earth uh but uh that uh, the Philistines didn't see that David didn't see that, but by faith he realized that the Lord was omnipresent, that his glory was everywhere he had set his glory above the heavens and it filled the whole earth and then uh, uh he says he says in verse number two he says, out of the mouth of babes' And nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, you, you want to tie this to what he said earlier. I mean, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Remember that song by uh, Sandy Patty uh, years ago? Oh Lord, we praise your name. O oh Lord, we magnify your name. Prince of Peace, Mighty God. O oh Lord, God Almighty. How do we do that? We do that by the Spirit of God. This world doesn't do that because this world doesn't have the Spirit of God. But even in a baby who has the Spirit of God, they will magnify the name of the Lord. And that's why he says in verse number 2, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. And again, this is a prophetic word here. Uh, This is going to happen later on. Uh, When you think of a child, you think of that simple faith that a child has. But uh, in Jesus' day, those children actually spoke by the Spirit of God and praised uh, God by the Spirit of God, and that was a supernatural miracle. And so that's what he's speaking up here prophetically in verse number 2. He says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, I mean, these children have spoken to silence your enemies, at least for a moment. Because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy, who's the enemy, he's Satan, who uh, has his uh, uh, clan and and the avenger. You remember the story over in Matthew chapter 21, uh, when on Palm Sunday, after uh, Jesus had... Made his triumphal triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, He went into the temple, and when he went into the temple, the children and the babes continued to praise him, and uh, uh, they were crying out, "Hosanna, the son of son of David!" And the Pharisees they were furious, and so they said to them, "Have you?" And so they they said to him, "Hey, you got to stop this!" And he said. Have, have you not read in the Psalms that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength? You have perfect perfected praise through these infants. And uh, uh, here, were the, here was the devil with his, uh, the, the Pharisees who were like his puppets. And uh, how could they question this miracle? that these babes and infants were praising God, and so they were silenced uh, because of this supernatural uh, miracle of God. Now, there's a lesson there. When we stand for the Lord, when we stand by the Spirit, no matter uh, what situation we're in, When we stand strong in the spirit of God in this lost world and we lift up the Lord in praise, we're going to silence our enemies. Uh, When we magnify the Lord in his truth, uh, he has a way of silencing the devil uh, and our enemies. Because demonic power, the demonic powers of this earth cannot stand uh, against the power of the Lord, against the power of his name. And when we name the name of Jesus, there is power in praise. When we do that by the Spirit of God, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're going to do that by the Spirit of God. We're going to praise God by the Spirit of God. and, And when we're praising God by the Spirit of God... People recognize that as a miracle. We're in a difficult situation and we're still able to praise the Lord. I'm not very good at that. I don't know about you. The only time I can do that is when I am walking in the spirit. But in the spirit, I'm going to tell you what, whenever you're in the spirit, you're going to praise the Lord. I mean, you can't help but praise the Lord when you're in the spirit. And when you're in the spirit and you're praising the Lord in a very difficult situation, it silences your enemies. Because, I mean, look at him. I mean, I mean, how can he do that? How can she do that? Uh, when, when, when the whole world seems to be against him or against her, how can they praise the Lord? There's, it's got to be something real in their life. Uh, and it is real. It's the Spirit of God. And, and so there's power. There's power in praise. Now look at verse number 3. It says, and it seems like David kind of, you know, totally shifts gears here. But remember, uh, he's 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 praising the Lord in a really difficult situation and and he's got a compass that that directs him to the Lord. And what's that compass? I'm going to show you right here in, in verse number three. When when I consider your heavens, I mean, if you ever get down in life and you and you think. You know, where's the Lord? All you got to do is get away from the city, maybe. Get out in the country and look up at the stars. Get out where there aren't any lights and just remind yourself of just how great God is. And that's what David's doing right here. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. I mean, David, here's David, and he's a long ways from home, but he's got a compass, He's got a compass that shows him the way back to the Lord. And that compass is the moon and the stars and the sun. I mean, I mean, creation speaks of the fact that there is a God. I mean, we're humans and we're made of dust and we need to see God sometimes. And the best way for us to see God... Uh, is in the one of the best ways it 's not the best way, but one of the best ways to see God is in the creation and 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 David looks at the creation and and he and he 's thinking about the lord and he 's pondering the lord and he 's pondering how great the Lord had to be to create all of those stars i mean here he is he 's in the land of the Philistines and he goes out on a night a dark night and he looks up in the sky and he sees all of these stars and and he ponders the fact of just how great the Lord is. And and he asked a question in verse number four. He says, what is man? I mean, in light of all of these stars, who am I? What is man that you're mindful of him? Now, that's a great place to come when when you're in a difficult situation. To bring yourself back to the fact that the creator of all the universe is mindful of you. He's mindful of you. He's more mindful of you than he is. I don't know if maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but it's as if he's more in an anthropomorphic sense. It's as if he's more mindful of you than he is of the stars. He certainly loves us more than he loves the stars. We're more than just a part of his creation. We are the children of God. And David was a child of God. And he, and he asked, he, he's, he's trying to encourage himself. And so he asked this rhetorical question, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. And 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 uh all he has got to do to to be at all of the fact that God loves him is to look up at the stars and and the magnificent creation that God has created and and uh hey, he's he's overwhelmed. I mean, you you think about the sun, I mean, the sun is uh, uh, 110 times bigger than the earth uh, it's 860 miles in diameter that's one of the stars closest to us. Or is the star closest to us but there are stars out there that are 100 times bigger than the sun uh, in the milky way galaxy alone there are over 300 billion stars as big as the sun or bigger than the sun and there are over three hundred billion. They don't even know because the number is almost infinite. But they say there's over three hundred billion galaxies bigger than the Milky Way galaxy. And so David's looking out at all of these stars, and 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 uh, uh, he 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 knows that God is the creator. God's the one who ordained these stars. He's the one who who brought them into existence. He he set them in their order. And 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 uh, so David. Looks up at the stars and and uh, he asks this question, "What is man that you are mindful of? What is man? This little microscopic speck of dust? Who are we in light of these great stars in light of this great universe and Who are we that you're mindful of us uh in this infinitely mass creation and and yet The Lord visits the earth. The Lord focuses his attention on us, on mankind. I mean, have you ever pondered that question? I mean, why would God send his only begotten son to this earth? With all these other planets and stars out there, why would he send his only begotten son to this earth? And let me tell you why. The answer is the an, in, in the answer of that uh, to that question. What is man? What is man? Well, remember when we were in Genesis, Genesis chapter one, verse 27, we're told that God created man in his own image. That's who man is. Men and women are created in the image of God. Why did he do that? Why did he create us? In his own image. Well, John tells us over in the uh, first chapter of his gospel, so, so that as many as believed in him uh, shall have the power to become sons and daughters of God. That's why he's mindful of us. That's why he's more mindful of the earth than he is than he is uh, any of these other planets. That's why he came to this earth because the earth is the place where his children are birthed. The earth is the place where, where we are educated, where we're trained, where we're matured into the children of God. You could call this earth you. I mean, this is our, this is our university. This is where, where God is preparing us for, for heaven, preparing us for a new heaven and a new earth. And so earth is very important uh, to the Lord. And uh, uh, it's always been important to the Lord all of history all of history all of creation points to that cross all of all of the bible points to that cross points to god redeeming us uh so that uh uh we can be the children of god then in verse number 5 he says for you have made him a little lower than angels. That's that's the way we were created, a little lower than the angels. We're not as great as the angels. Now that's going to change, but uh, we were created uh, to be a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with the with glory and honor. That's the way God created us in His own image. And he here's David. I mean, he's out in the wilderness and the land of the Philistines. Again, I'm speculating here. And back in Israel, he had been crowned, anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. And, boy, the farthest thing in his mind now is that he's going to be king of Israel. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to happen at all. He'll be lucky if he lives through this ordeal he's going through. But he reminds himself that God is mindful of him, that he made him a little lower than angels, and he's crowned him in the future. We're all going to wear a crown. He's crowned him with glory and honor. David is still an important person, even though he's, he's like a worm at this point as far as uh, the description of his life in the situation he's in. And verse number 6, it, is, it says you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and the oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the seas. So, so uh, David, David, David and all of us have a great place in creation. We're made a little lower than the angels, but we're above the animals. But that state is only temporary. Because when we're glorified, when Christ returns and we're given those glorified bodies in heaven, then not only will we be above the animals, we will be above the angels too. When the author of Hebrews quotes from this passage right here in chapter 1 of his book, he adds this to the end of this quotation. He quotes it as we read it here in Psalms chapter 8. And then uh, in verse number 8, at the end of, at the end of this quotation, he says, for in, Jesus, for in that Jesus put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. And that's true for us too. Uh, of course, the Lord is the Lord of all things. He's Adonai, he's our master. But when the millennium begins, the sons and daughters will see all things put under his feet and we will be joint heirs with Jesus Christ and mankind will be restored to the crown jewels of creation that they were intended to be. That's why Paul reminds the church in First Corinthians chapter 6, verses two and three you don't have to turn there but but if you remember the story they were suing one another and in secular courts and paul says to them he said hey don't you shouldn't be doing that he says do you not know that the saints will one day judge the world we will be the judges of this world do you not know that we also will judge the angels I mean, how much more the things of life now? I mean, we should be, I mean, we might not be in the position to, to, to have authority over things now, but we, we're in the position now that we shouldn't have to sue one another in secular courts. Or we shouldn't have to handle our matters in secular courts. We shouldn't have to handle any of our affairs in, secular, in the secular world. We handle it by setting our minds on the things above and not on the things of the earth. But the devil's done a great job, probably in your life and no in my life and most of our lives, of convincing us that we're really not that valuable. You know, you, you, you know you're here, the devil, when you hear you're worthless. You're no good. You you don't have a future. All of those lies are coming from the devil because you know it's a lie because of what God has said about our future. And I think the devil's done a great job. Of convincing us that. That we're really not much better. Than the animals. In fact in some people's minds. Uh, they don't believe we're as good as the animals. And I can see why. Uh, Vance Havner used to say. Uh, I quit saying mankind has gone to the dogs. Out of respect for dogs. And. 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 uh I think in some ways uh, we aren't as good as dogs. In fact, you look at our society today and we're doing things dogs wouldn't do. I mean, dogs don't do drugs. Uh, dogs don't kill their own children. Uh, dogs don't uh, engage in homosexual acts, at least most dogs. I've, I've never seen a dog engaging in a homosexual act. And and, and we're doing things that that... that the animals don't do. So, in some ways, we are worse than the animals. And the reason we're worse is because we're fallen creatures. Uh, and we've given ourselves over to our wicked lust and, and desires and our fallen nature. And and that's why we act the way we are. But that, all that's going to change. Because we were created in the image of God. And God is going to restore us back to that image in his time. That's, that's what this process and in earth, you is all about that we're going through. Uh, we've, we've fallen, and we've fallen mightily, but, but God's in the process of restoring us. And uh, uh, we can't restore ourselves. We all know that. In fact, if, if, if God hadn't intervened, we would have all stayed in our fallen state until we were dead or destroyed or in hell. But God did intervene. Uh, it, through mankind, because he is mindful of man. He is mindful of those he uh, predestined before the foundation of the world to be sons and daughters of God. And it was by him alone, by his action, uh, by his grace, that we're able to regain the place in the creation that God originally Intended us for. Paul describes God's plan for our restoration over in Romans chapter 5. Flip with me there for a minute. In Romans chapter 5, so we finish up here. Pick up with me down in verse number. 17. He says, for by one man's offense, and he's speaking of Adam there, Adam's sin, death reigned through the one. So through Adam, Adam was created a perfect being. He had one choice he could make, and that was to either eat of the fruit or not eat of the fruit. He was told not to eat of the fruit. So either his choice really was either to obey God Or to rebel against God. And we all know the story. He rebelled. And so through Adam's sin, we lost our place in creation. We no longer were the sons and daughters of God. We were dead spiritually. We were were dead to life. So death reigned through the one, he says there. For by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, through all of us. But much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, through Jesus Christ. And so it's God alone who restores us. It's his action, it's his grace that we can reign in life through the one and have the, have the, uh, be, and be restored to our proper place in the creation. See, Jesus, through his death, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be restored to where we have the righteousness of God. And what's our part? We believe. And then we've given our proper place in creation, not as slaves to the creation, but as masters of the creation. That's what we're supposed to be. And we've become slaves to the creation. And, uh, As children of God, we're going to rule and reign over all the creation. Look at verse number 18. He says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross is what he's talking about. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And not just any life eternal life, abundant life, the life God intended for us when he created us. And not only do we long for that restoration, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation groaneth, waiting for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. And when we're revealed, then at at that point, the whole creation will be restored. Now, here's David. He's in a tough spot. He's being persecuted. Uh, He's in a foreign land. His life is threatened. But he doesn't. Despair. Instead. He praises. The Lord. He ponders. The fact. That the Lord is mindful of him. The Lord who created all of the universe. Is mindful of him. And if he's mindful of him. Was mindful for, of him in Israel. He's mindful of him. In a tough spot. Maybe even more so. He's mindful of him. In the land of the Philistines. If you go back to the psalm. What else could David do. But to repeat. The words that he spoke. At the very first of the psalm. O oh Lord. O oh Lord. How excellent is your name. In all. Of the earth. Now when you can get there. Where no matter what situation. You're going through. You can reflect and ponder just how much the Lord loves you. Give it a lot of thought. Go out and look at the stars. Go out and look at creation. Look at your children. Look at all the good things God's done in your life. Look at your future. And you'll say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your glory. Your glory that that created this entire universe. Your glory that fills this entire universe. Your glory that fills us, Lord, if we'll just let you. Your glory that changes us. Your glory that protects us. Lord, in your presence, supernaturally by your spirit, when we walk in your spirit, we can't help but to praise you. To praise your majestic name. The name of Jesus Christ who made all of this possible by dying for us on the cross. By shedding your blood, Lord, so that we can have your righteousness. So that we can be restored to our proper place in creation. Lord, help us to ponder all of these things in our heart when we're in difficult times. Lord, by your spirit. Help make these things real to us and present to us so that we, too, can face difficulty and victory as David did. We just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you through the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.